Good morning. Will you stand with us if you're able? Let's sing greater. Greater is the one.
Thank you. You may be seated. I am not the youth pastor, even though I used to be a youth pastor. Years ago, this is what happens to you when you are a youth pastor right here. So glad you're here today. God bless you for coming. Welcome to Cavanaugh Church. If you are a first-time guest, we encourage you to fill out a Connect card. You can see that in the chair back in front of you. If you'll fill it out and after service, go through these doors to our Connect counter. We'll trade you that card for a coffee mug and a gift card to Chick-fil-A, which ain't a bad deal, man. That's Yeah, yeah. Matt, you want to put on uh, nose and glasses and fake them out and go get one, man. It's a good deal. Glad you're here. Welcome. It's a great day. I'm, I'm reminded of the Bible verse that says, I was glad when they said to me, let's get to church. That's the will version of that verse. But uh, I love Kavanaugh Church. I love being here. I love being with you. And uh, we're in for a real treat today because we have a special guest. But before he comes, let's pray together. Would you stand back up? Just for a second, let's stand up and pray. We're going to ask God to bless this service and everything that is done in it. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray, dear Lord, that as the Word of God is communicated on the outside, your Holy Spirit would speak it directly into our heart. Help us as we worship you and fill this room with praise, honor, and glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I pray again your Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in our lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. As you sit down, tell somebody beside you, hello. There you go. And you can be seated. Amen. Fantastic. We are delighted today to have a special guest with us from Gideon's International. Now, you've probably heard of the Gideon Ministry. They uh, give out Bibles, and uh, they do it worldwide. And we have been a longtime supporter of our Gideons locally, and it is a thrill to have Brad Lewis with us today. Brad, you can come on up here. Brad is the secretary, he used to be president, he's secretary of our local Gideon chapter. He and his family live in Greenwood, Arkansas, and he attends Grand Avenue Baptist Church. Brad was with us a few years ago. And uh, he is back today to give us a good word from the Gideon. So give Brad a big Kavanaugh welcome, would you? And before I spoke earlier in the service, he introduced me as the best speaker in the River Valley. He did not do that this time. <laughs> so their expectations lower now. So where are all the Bibles? For over 10 years in this ministry, our camp prayed that we would be able to place Bibles in Sparks Hospital. And you know, as Sparks went through all the transitions, kept getting bought out and bought out, well, one of those, the CEO, her name was Melody Trimble, and she met one of our local Gideons, and she asked him, where are all the Bibles? She said, every hospital I've been a part of, we've had Bibles, but we can't find them here. And he told her they were not able to put them. So she opened the doors for us to place the Bibles throughout the Sparks, uh, not only Fort Smith, but Van Buren and all of their clinics throughout the River Valley. Then a few months later, she was a guest speaker at a Fort Smith Chamber event. And I went to go hear her and say hi to her, and she saw me, and she pulled me aside, and she goes, I've got to tell you something. So when we bought the hospitals, we had decided that we were going to change the chapels 
to storage rooms because nobody was using them. He said, but ever since you guys placed the Bibles, there have been people in those chapels 24 hours a day. And we're going to remodel them as chapels. So as you know, Sparks got bought out again. And at the time, we didn't know who was going to buy them out. And we'd like one person open the door, and it could take one person to close the doors. And then we find out it was the Baptist Health. And we said, surely the Baptists are going to let us place Bibles. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this morning. Ah, no, I'm just joking. Yes, the, the ba Baptists let us in. In fact... We put about 375 Bibles every month throughout the Baptist health system. Now, normally we come to a church and we ask every church to do four things for our ministry. We ask you to pray for our ministry, first of all. And then we ask you to use our, the Gideon cards, which sends out Bibles. We ask you to join our ministry. And, of course, we ask you to give to our ministry. But today, I want to focus on how we can help you and how our ministry wants to help you, first of all, is the life book. We want to give your youth group free copies of the life book to hand out inside the schools since we can't get inside them anymore. We also have a new program called Specific Giving, meaning your church offering can be designated for a specific country. Like if you have a special relationship with that country. Right now, there's only five countries on that list because they're in desperate need of Bibles. And those five countries are India, the Philippines, Nigeria, Kenya, and Mexico. In a short testimony from each one, in India, Ravi's hobby was destroying Bibles. That is until a stranger gave him one on the bus. And now Ravi is a fellow Gideon handing out Bibles. In the Philippines, Mario found a New Testament on the road. He thought it was a wallet, but instead of finding money, he found Jesus. And in Nigeria, Elizabeth and her family, uh, the village was being overran by Boko Haram terrorist organization, and they stood outside their hut handing Boko Haram copies of God's word. And then in Kenya, Julius received a little testament in elementary, and today he's a pastor of a church. And then in Mexico, the Gideons were getting ready to set up to distribute Bibles on a university campus. And a police officer came over to them and said, you can't be distributing Bibles here. And so the Gideons started witnessing to the police officer. And a few minutes later, with tears rolling down his cheeks, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Allowed them to stay there where they handed out over 10,000 copies of God's word. The third way we want to help you is... For you to download the free Bible app. The Gideon Bible app has the Bible in 1,300 different languages. But what makes it a little bit different than some other Bible apps is if you're familiar with our Testament, you know in the, in the front of the Bible, we have a section called Help in the Time of Need. The people can go and they look up a word, like if they're afraid, they can look up afraid, and it tells them what page and what verse to go to to see what God's Word says about it. Well, we have that in the Bible app. Also, in the back of our Testaments, we have a sample plan of salvation. That's also in the Bible app. So it's a little bit different. We encourage you to use the Bible app. We're also asking you to be a friend of the Gideons. 
And you may be thinking, now how does me being your friend benefit me? I'm glad you asked. For one, it's free. Now, all you got to do is go online and register to be a friend of the Gideon. And everybody can be a friend. You have certain qualifications you have to meet to be a Gideon, but anybody can be a friend of the Gideons. What that will get you is a, you'll get copies of our newsletter that goes out every quarter, which has testimonies in it. You'll be invited to a couple of our meetings here locally each year so you can see what's going on and meet the local Gideons. But my favorite part is you can go online and order these little testaments, the same testaments that we hand out on personal witnessing. In fact, we call them personal witnessing testaments or PWTs. The only difference is we take the Gideon emblem off and then mail them to you. But I have to tell you, be careful what you pray for. Because you know, everybody in my office, I have a small office, we're all believers. So the opportunity to witness isn't uh, you know, very common. But one morning I was praying to God that I'll either be a witness or be a blessing to somebody that day. And about 40 minutes later, a car has a blowout on Dodson Avenue, and they pull their car right into my parking lot. And I'm looking out my window, and I see them, and I, my first thought is, God, do you want me to go talk to them? And I could almost hear a loud, duh. <laughs> so I grabbed some little testaments, and I got it, went out there. I mean, they're not going anywhere. They couldn't run off. So I had the opportunity to give them a Bible and share the gospel with this young couple. So be careful. If you order them, God's going to use you. And David Rayleigh, he's from Fort Smith. He received a little testament in elementary school. He took it home to his mother, but since he wasn't quite able to read very well yet, she just set it up on top of the fridge. Later, his dad found it, read it. His dad got saved. His mother got saved. All the children got saved. They all became active in church, active in the ministry. David became a pastor. He was sent to Asia as part of the Billy Graham crusade where he led thousands of people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He comes back to Fort Smith, becomes a pastor of a church, and just recently retired at the age of 87 in Barling. And he would tell you how one little testament can not only change one life, but many lives, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands, by one testament. So I want to thank you for your continued support and ask you to continue to help us to hand out these Bibles. Thank you very much. Amen. Brad, did, did I mention Brad is the best Gideon speaker <laughs> in the entire state of Arkansas? Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. Hey, join me. Let's, let's pray not only for Brad and his ministry as Gideons, let's pray for the Gideons as they distribute Bibles worldwide. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you so much for our brother Brad. I pray that you would bless him, his family, his business, and his ministry. We're so thankful for the Gideons International and the good work they do for the kingdom of God. I pray that we here at Kavanaugh would be involved in that ministry and that we would do our part in buying Bibles so that the Gideons can distribute them. 
We love you so much, Lord. Again, a blessing on Brother Brad. Thank him, dear Lord, uh, from the bottom of our hearts to his, and use him in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Brad. Thank you so much. Right before we begin worshiping again, I want to tell you how we can be a part of the Gideon ministry. Uh, When we end the service, we're going to have people at both doors with an offering plate. And I'm going to ask you to walk by and contribute money to buy Bibles. Every penny, every dollar, everything you give in that offering plate is going to go directly to buy Bibles to distribute worldwide. And I never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And so I have my check made out. I'm going to drop it in that plate. And I want to see how many Bibles Kavanaugh can buy today for the Gideon ministry. So during this service, you be praying, Lord, what would you have me to give to buy Bibles so that people can hear the word of God? Will you do that? Will you do that? Fantastic. Let's stand up and continue to worship our Lord.
7 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Oh, 
God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Lord, we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today in this place, let that be our confession that you are who you say you are and that you are high and lifted up and you are exalted above all. There is only one God. There is only one Jesus, one Lord. And we praise you in this place today. Glory, honor, power that's due to your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Give the praise team another big hand, would you? Love them and their ministry. Thankful for them. Good, good, good service so far, man. Fantastic. Hey, um, when was the last time somebody, Ronnie, Ronnie, when was the last time somebody dared you to do something? You remember that? A long time ago. But remember when we were kids, we'd, we'd always be daring somebody to do something. And you know, a dare, a dare's a dare. But if you really want to up the ante, it's a double dog dare. So y'all know Matthew right here. Matthew just had knee surgery. How's the knee doing, buddy? I've seen pictures of you in the gym, already working out, knee surgery. Now, before the knee surgery, if I dared Matthew to come up here on the stage, Joy, and do a backflip off the, he'd do it. Yeah. But now with his knee in that brace, he, you know, I dare him. And he, he's thinking about it, David. I mean, you know, he'd really like, but, you know, the knee just, I'm not going to do it because I know what would happen if I double dog dared him, even with that brace. You know what? He'd be coming up here, Keenan, and doing it because you, you just, you got to do a double dog dare, don't you? Did you know that's, that's totally American? Uh, it was invented, Double Dog Dare was invented somewhere around 1896. At least that's when it was first in print, 1896. And I, to me, the Double Dog Dare, Angie, was the ultimate. Did, was that the way it was for you in Corning, Arkansas? And I, I know her. If she's Double Dog Dared to do anything, even today, she's going to take you up on it. There, there are higher levels than just Double Dog Dare. There's a Black Dog Dare. That's above the double dog. Do, do y'all know about a black, anybody? I think it was a northern thing. But the ultimate is a double dog black dare. Now, I don't know if God double dog dares us to do anything, but I am today. I'm going to black dog, double dog dare you to do some things this morning. So are you ready? Boy, I hope so. I've been in this series for a number of weeks on making a difference in our world. And I really believe God wants us to make a difference in our world, don't you? We, we talked about how we can do that. We do that passionately. We do that with integrity. We do that with commitment. But underlining, underlying all these other qualities is the one we're talking about today, and that is the quality of courage. It takes courage to make a difference in your world. Why? 
Well, that's it. Courage is what is needed if you're really going to make a difference in the world in which you live. You can only change the world if you are a changed person. And you can only change the world if you have the blood of Jesus inside of you. Changed people change the world. You can't change the world by imitating the world. You can't change the world by blending in. You're never going to make a difference in this world if you're just flow, going with the flow and swimming downstream. No, the bottom line is if I want to make a difference in my world, I've got to be different. There, there's something inside of me that has to be different than the world, and that something inside of me is Jesus Christ. And it takes courage to stand for Jesus and the things of God. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. <laughs> That's just the way it is. So don't be surprised when tribulation comes. It's not an option. It's going to happen. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take courage, Jesus says. In other translations, be of good cheer. Take courage. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And so you know what? You can be an overcomer as well if you follow Jesus Christ. Today I want us to get real practical and look at how can I live more courageously. And I want to suggest to you three very practical ways that you can develop courage in your life on a daily basis. It's all about owning up, standing up, and speaking up. So number one, I show courage by owning up to my own sin. Now, really, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, and I used the word sin a few weeks ago, and I'm using the word sin today. I show courage by owning up to my own sin. Now, why did I choose the word sin? Because it's the word we love to avoid. I mean, we, we'll call it anything else but sin. We call it a blunder. We call it a character default, an oversight, a lack of judgment. But the Bible calls it sin. And the Bible is really clear on this. We've all sinned. For all have sinned. If you are an all, raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand because it includes you. All of us have sinned. You know that verse. Freddie, you know that verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But do you know what 1 John 1, 8 says? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are only deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. The Bible says, you know what? You're just kidding yourself. You don't kid anybody else by claiming perfection in your life. You, you might be kidding yourself, but you're not kidding anyone else. The Bible says when we do that, the truth is not in us. We're not being honest with ourselves. Literally, we are deceiving our own inner being. We are not speaking the truth when we don't own up to our own sin. But oh, my lands, we hate to admit that we've done wrong. No, we hate to admit our sin. We hate to admit it, I believe, because we're afraid that other people are going to think less of us if we admit that we've failed, that we've made mistakes, that we've sinned that we have fallen short of God's standards. But the truth is, in actuality, 
being able to be honest about your sin, to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me, it really is a mark of emotional and spiritual health. And can I tell you something? It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to own up to your own sin. There are grown men who have never been able to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I was wrong. In fact, I am sure of the fact that there are people in this room or listening online right now who have never, ever been able to utter those words. They've never been able to say, I've sinned. And did you realize that is the first step in getting right with God? If, if you want to become his child, that's the first thing you're going to have to do is admit you're a sinner. Admit something that is true about you. Oh, we don't like to own up to our own sin. So it makes me want to ask you the question this morning, what are you afraid to own up to? What is it in your life and in your marriage that you have never really owned up to that you keep blaming other people for, your husband, your wife, your kids? Playing the blame game. You know what blame is? Be lame. When you're blaming, you're being lame. You need to read Proverbs 28, 13. It speaks to this. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have what? Mercy. If, if you cover your sins up and, and act like you don't have any wrongs in your life, you know what? It's not going to do you any good. You're never going forward from that point. You're not going to prosper. But on the other hand, if you admit it, if you confess it, if you forsake it and walk away from it, you're going to get what you need the most, and that is the mercy and forgiveness of God. Denial doesn't work. You can wear a mask for a little bit, but in the long run, it just doesn't work. Let me tell you, this inability to own up to your own personal sin and responsibility is the great destroyer of life. It will destroy your marriage, your relationships, and your careers. The inability for you to say, it was my fault, I was wrong, will you forgive me? That has ruined more marriages than you can possibly imagine. We men find it really hard to utter those words, don't we? We don't like to admit the fact that we've made a mistake. I mean, if a man gets lost on a trip, you think he's going to admit it? No way. We're just saying, hey, we're taking the scenic route. I want to show you kids some country you've never seen before. Now, why in the world am I talking about this? I mean, I'm in a series of sermons making a difference in our world, and here I am talking about personal sin. How in the world does that relate? Well, this way. People who make a lasting, permanent difference for God and for good do it out of personal authenticity. Fakes and phonies and cons don't last. God sees right through them, and so do other people. But the truth lasts. So you know what? You need to learn to speak the truth. 
Whether it's about yourself or somebody else, just speak the truth, especially when it comes to yourself. The Apostle Paul had the ability to do that. He could talk about his strengths, but he could also talk about his weaknesses. He could talk about the good, but also the bad. It was Paul who said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's pretty bold. That's pretty courageous. But he could also say this, I am the chief of all sinners. He knew he had messed up, and he was willing to admit it. He was honest. He even wrote it down for posterity's sake so that 2,000 years later, we're still reading about his sins. Courage is owning up to my own sins. And it's the starting place for making a difference in your world. Because you're never going to make a difference in the world unless a difference has been made in your life. And the only one who can make a difference in your life is Jesus. And you allow Jesus to make that difference in your life when you say, Lord, forgive me, I have sinned. I've sinned against your standards. I I haven't done what you said for me to do. And all of us are in that boat. All of us are sinners. And when we don't admit that, what does the Bible say? We are only deceiving ourselves. So, look at me. I double dog dare you. This morning, especially if you've never done it before, I dare you to own up to your own sins. Take ownership of them. Ask God to forgive you. And chances are you need to ask some other people to forgive you as well. Because every time you've sinned in your own life, it has affected other people. So own that. Speak that. Ask for forgiveness. Number two, courage is standing up for what is right. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Stay true to what you believe. Be courageous and be strong. You know, today very few Christians are willing to take a stand for what is right. In a world where tolerance is valued more than truth, where people even doubt the existence of whether there is absolute right and absolute wrong, and all of our society says, what's good for you may not be good for me, most Christians are afraid to stand up for the truth. We're afraid. We're we're afraid that the world is going to label us. We're afraid that people are going to call us narrow-minded or prejudiced or judgmental or old-fashioned or out-of-date or bigoted or even non-tolerant. This past week, where you work or maybe in your neighborhood or perhaps even in your own family or somewhere in your life, you saw somebody do something that was wrong. And you knew it was wrong. But you said nothing about it. You just remained silent. You didn't speak up. You didn't point it out. You didn't confront it. You just remained silent. Probably in your mind, you were thinking something like this. I I know what they just did was wrong because I know enough of the Bible to know that is wrong. But who am I to judge? Who am I to say anything? Do you understand the contradiction between those statements? I know it's wrong, but who am I to speak up? I know it's wrong, but it's really none of my business. I know it's wrong, but it's not my life. 
I'll just be quiet. It's not my responsibility. Really? I mean, really? Really? I want you to listen to what God said about this. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. Ezekiel 3, 18, here's what the Word of God says. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Guys, let me tell you, this is one of the most sobering and shocking verses in the entire Bible to me. And, and what the Bible is saying is this, God has already judged those who are wicked, those who are anti-God, those in our day who have never believed in Jesus or confessed Jesus, they're living in sin and God has judged them. But if we who know right, if we who know the truth see their wrongdoing and don't say anything to them, we don't confront it, we don't warn them, we don't love them enough to point out their wrongdoing, God says, I will judge the wicked. They're going to get what they deserve, but you know what? I'm going to hold you responsible because I've called you as a watchman. I've called you as an ambassador. And if lost people are going to know the truth, it's going to be because you speak up and you point out their sin and you love them enough to share with them. In the very next verse, he goes on to say it like this. The wicked will have their reward. But if you, the righteous person, goes to them and shares with them and confronts them and tells them the error of their way, and they don't repent, they're still going to receive their reward, but I will not hold you responsible because you've done your job. Again, let me tell you, that verse is one of the most sobering verses in the Bible. God says, when I know the difference between right and wrong, and I don't say anything about it, you know what that is? That's evil. I'm being evil. All of us, every one of us in this room, we all know somebody that's messing up their lives right now. They're destroying their lives because they're ignoring God and they're ignoring God's will for their lives. And if you claim to be a believer, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there are going to be times in your life when out of love, you have to love them enough to confront them. Out of love, you must do it. There must be times when you say to that friend or that family member or that spouse or that parent or that coworker, somebody that you care about, you've got you've to get right in their face and out of love, you've got to say, you know what, you're blowing it. You're making a major mistake in your life. You're, you're doing the wrong thing. And I care too much about you to let you blow it without saying anything. And I'm not going to do that because I care about you and I love you. So I'm going to confront you with this and I'm going to say, this is wrong. If you see somebody doing something wrong and you don't confront them, let me tell you, put it like this, you're not being a very good friend. Because sometimes love is tough. Amen? 
Sometimes, sometimes love, man, I tell you what, love just gets down to the root of things. It, it is tough when you really love people, and, and it's, it's tough to confront people with their sins because sometimes they don't want to hear it. I, th- I think I remember telling you this story. I was a student at Hillsdale, which is now Randall. And I went to a local Free Will Baptist church in Norman, Oklahoma. And, and one Saturday night, I went out with some of the kids in the church youth group. I was older than they were. I was a college student. They were, they were just high school kids. And, and Jason, we went out and we did some ornery things. Now, we didn't do anything illegal. We didn't do anything morally wrong. It was just ornery things. Your boys never do ornery things, did You never did ornery things, did I didn't think anything big about it because, I mean, it was just, you know, kids being kids, doing some ornery stuff. These kids went back and told their youth pastor what they had done with me. And so Monday morning, their youth pastor came on campus, and he caught me out in the parking lot, and he said, Will, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, Mike, what, what is it you want to talk to me about? And he says, I, I'm just real disappointed in you. Well, you know what happened right then? The defense went up. And I said, what are you talking about, man? He said, well, you went out with some of my kids in my youth group, and y'all did this, that, and the other, and, and I just, I don't think you need to be doing that. You, you need to be a better leader than that. You don't, you don't need to be leading them into doing those kind of things. You need to be leading them spiritually. You know what, Jason, I got, I, I got a little ticked off at Mr. Garner because right then I could, I could start naming things in his life. <laughs> I bowed up a little bit. We ended the conversation cordially, and I went my way, and he went his way. But you know what? The Holy Spirit wasn't done with me. And he raked me over the coals all day long. And I realized, you know what? I had messed up. I had done wrong. And the next day I found Brother Mike, and I apologized to him. I said, Mike, you're right. I did wrong, and I want to thank you for loving me enough and caring enough about me to point out the error of my ways. You know what? Something changed in my life that day. I became a better man because I owned up to my own sins. Love is tough. But if you love somebody, let me tell you, you're going to point out when they've messed up. You're going to do it in love because that's what love does. Aren't y'all glad that my daughter and son-in-law moved back to town? We're, we're glad Tyler and Whitney are back. Yeah, give them a big hand. There's a... what, I'm, what I'm really thankful for is they brought the grandbabies with them. And uh, I think y'all know they bought this old house on Adelaide Street. It's like a hundred, over a hundred years old, isn't it? Like, how many? 102, 102 years old. Beautiful house, two-story house. Let's say that tonight, Angie and I go across town and get some ice cream at the Mexican ice cream place. On Rod- y'all know what I'm talking about? That's the best ice cream in the universe. 
And it's right over there by their house, and, and we get the ice cream, and we're driving home. We just, just tried to drive through their neighborhood, and I turn down their street, and I see smoke. I see flames. It's coming from their house. That old house is on fire. God forbid. I'm just imagining this. I shouldn't even say it, should I, Whitney? Now you're going to have nightmares. But your house is on fire. Can I tell you something? I'm going to go as fast as I can right up to that front door. I'm going to jump out of the truck, Ron, and I'm going to burst through that front door, and I'm going to run up those stairs, and I'm going to do everything I can to save my grandbabies. Sorry, (laughs) Whitney and Tyler, you're on your own. I'm headed up there to save Ella Jane and little Archie because I love them so much. And I, I, I really don't care who says what about me. The, the press may say, oh, he's a hero. He is courageous. The, the fire department may, may, may say I'm crazy. It really doesn't care what anybody, I really don't care what anybody else says about me because love leaves no choice. I'm going to do everything I can because I love them. It's not an option. I've got to take a stand, and I do it out of love. Courage says you stand up for what is right, but you do it out of love. Number three, it takes courage to speak up for Jesus Christ. Another verse says this, 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love, a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. I love the way the New Century Version puts it. Don't be ashamed to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And many of you are thinking right now, you know, I know people I need to tell about Jesus. Who I've got family members and friends and co-workers that need Christ, but I, I'm not an expert. I, can, I can't witness to them. I, I don't have the verses memorized. I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar. I've never been to Bible college. I, I don't know enough to tell people about Jesus. Let me ask you, do you, do you have the ability to say to somebody, Jesus loves you and God has a purpose for your life? But try that. Turn to the person to your right and say, Jesus loves you. Right now, do that. Person to your right, say it. Jesus loves you. Turn to the person to your left and says, God has a plan for your life. There you, you did it. Let me tell you, this is not rocket science. You can say that. You can tell people Jesus loves you. He died on the cross to save you from your sins, that God has a plan for your life. And you know what? On top of that, people don't need your knowledge. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. What people really need is your love. You don't argue anybody into heaven. You love them into heaven. You express love for people and build a bridge of love from your heart to their heart so that Jesus can walk across it. God wants to use you. God wants to use you in this world. God wants to use you right now in this world, and he's willing to do that if you will stand up for what is right and if you will speak up for Jesus Christ. But you know what? You know that. Everything I've said this morning, you already know. It's not new to you. The real issue is, where are you going to get the courage to do it? Where are you going to get the courage to stand up for things that you need to stand up for and speak up for things that you need to speak up for? 
Well, let me close by giving you three ways you can ratchet up your courage. Three ways that you can use to stoke the fires of confidence. That you can build courage in your heart so that you can be a world changer. I'm just going to throw them out as bullet points, so write them down quick. What do you do? Number one, go public with your faith. Let everybody know which side you're on. Let everybody know which army you're in, who your commander is. And that all begins with baptism. Baptism is the first step in going public with your faith. You stop being a secret agent disciple and say, I am not ashamed. When people are baptized, what they're saying is this, I'm telling the whole world that I'm stepping across the line. I'm in the family. I've joined the army. I'm a part of God's family. And I'm not ashamed for the world to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the time a little boy asked me, preacher, when can I get advertised? Because <laughs> that's really what baptism is, you know? It's an advertisement for Jesus. So how can you ratchet up your faith where you stand up and speak up? You go public with your faith. You let everybody know which side you're on. Number two, you pray for boldness. Every morning when you get out of bed, you need to be praying, God, give me courage. The apostle Paul did that. Paul says, pray and ask God to give me the right words as I boldly tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can do that. You pray to God for courage. And you know what? Nothing wrong with asking other people to pray for you. Jason, I want you to pray for me that I have courage to boldly speak the words of Christ. Jason, you Jason, I want you to pray for me that I boldly speak the truth about Jesus Christ. And just ask your friends and family members to pray for you. It works. You ask God for courage and pray for boldness. Number three, you expect God to use you. You just expect he's going to use you. The Bible says be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I believe that. And I expect God is going to use me every day for his kingdom and his purpose. Every morning I pray the prayer, Lord, give me some divine assignments today. Lord, bring people into my life today that need to hear about you. And give me the courage to speak to them about you. So ask God for courage. Go public with your faith. And expect God to use you. Do, do you have enough courage to step across the line? Do you have enough courage this morning to publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ? To go public with your faith. Not only to, to be baptized, but to take it to work. To let people at your job know which side you're on. Maybe that means that you take a Bible to work and put it on your desk. Maybe that means that when you see wrong, you confront it and you speak up about it. Maybe, maybe that means you, you let everybody in your office know that, you know what, I really don't want to hear that profanity and those dirty jokes because I don't want that in my mind. And you share that with them in love. But they know you're a Christian. Do you have enough courage to do that? Let me tell you, that's what it takes if you want to make a difference in this world. I told the first service people a story about a funeral I did years ago wasn't anybody who died at Kavanaugh. It was in a different church that I pastored. 
This guy was a member of my church. He was there every Sunday. He came back Sunday night. He was there on Wednesdays. He served on the leadership team. He taught a class. I mean, he was a model church member. I'd call on him during church to pray, and he could pray great prayers. I know he supported the church. I, you know, I just thought this, if any, Stacy, if anybody was a Christian, went to heaven, it was this guy. And so I did his funeral when he died. And I, I just preached him into heaven. This is a great guy, man. What a great churchman. He lived for the Lord and did all these things for God at our church and blah, 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 blah. After the service was over with, the preacher always goes down and stands by the casket. They open it and people pass by. You've, you've been to funerals. I guess they're checking to make sure he's really dead. And typically, after they look at the body, they'll turn to the preacher, and a lot of times they'll shake the preacher's hand, say, oh, great job, you really knew him, or that was wonderful. Sometimes they don't even look at the preacher, they look the other way. So here I'm at, standing at the head of his casket, people are walking by, this tall man comes by, and come to find out he worked in the same office that my church member worked in and as he shook my hand he said to me I didn't know that about him now there's this long line of people coming and you don't have a whole lot of time to be talking and I but I had to I said what are you talking about he said well I didn't know he was a Christian and then he just kept going And I mean, I'm freaking out. My head is just smoking. I'm thinking, what? How how in the world could that be? I mean, how can you let your light shine for Jesus on Sunday, but put it under a bushel Monday through Friday? I'm meddling right now, aren't I? You're thinking, dude, you've had your 30 minutes. Shut up. It's what it's all about. You want to make a difference in this world? There has got to be a difference in your own life. And that begins when you own up to your own sins and say, yep, I'm a sinner. Jesus, please forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross and I'm asking you to save me. And then you go public with your faith and you let everybody know which side you're on. And when they mess up and do wrong, you don't point your finger and condemn them. Tell them, you dirty, rotten sinner, you're going to hell. Well, I mean, you might under certain circumstances, but what you do is say, hey, man, I love you. And I see that you're doing wrong in your life, and this may put a sprain on our relationship, but... I love you so much, I've got to point this out to you. Here's what Jesus says. And you speak for Jesus. And let me tell you something, friend, that takes courage. Wouldn't you agree? So, I double dog dare you to own up Stand up and speak up. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, we would do that today. There's somebody in this room who needs to own up to their own sins. They need to come and ask Jesus to forgive them and to cleanse them and to wash that sin away. 
And I pray that they would do it right now in this invitation. Others of us, Lord, have people in our own life and family, maybe at work or at school, that are they're just messing up their life so bad, and we see it. We know they're messing up, but we haven't said anything. Lord, I pray that we would take that first step today by coming and praying for that person and asking you to give us the courage to speak up for you, to confront their wrongdoing, to love them and share Jesus with them. Lord, for others in this room that just need to come and they just need to talk to you, I pray that they would find that freedom to do that today. All praise, honor, and glory goes to you, Jesus. Work in this room as only you can. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Angie and the praise team is going to sing. Altars are open. I invite you to come and pray right now. As Jesus speaks to you, would you come and pray? Lord, I pray that that grace would just flow right down into our lives right now. Help us, dear Lord, to make a difference in this world. Help us to do it with integrity, with passion, with commitment. But most of all, we pray for courage. Help us just to be the real deal, Lord, to stand for you, to speak up for you, to be a light in this dark world. I pray that for everyone in this room, and I do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. Amen. Again, thank you for being here today. God bless you for coming to God's house. When you, when you leave, if you're a member of Kavanaugh, put your offering in one of those black boxes. We're also going to have uh, offering takers, Gideon offering takers at both doors. They're going to be standing there with uh, an offering plate. And I'm, 
no matter who you are, would you please give to Gideon's today? Give to buy a Bible. Uh, whatever you give is going to go directly to buy Bibles. So please give liberally today. And again, I'm asking you to do something that I am myself doing, and I want to buy a bunch of Bibles. Please help us do that. Tonight at 6.30, uh, Brother Jason is going to be teaching a lesson online. Ronnie's class meets, what time do you all meet, Ronnie? 6 p.m., an in-person Bible study class is going to be meeting today, so uh, make plans to attend that if you would like to. Come back on Wednesday night. We've got uh, good things going on for all age groups, and for you adults, big treat, Pastor Jose from Puerto Rico is going to be with us. Yeah, come on, big applause. That's going to be great. His two beautiful children, Diane and Jeremy, are with us today. She just got enrolled at Randall University and is going to be a student at Randall. We're so proud of you, Diane. And so come back Wednesday night to see the family and hear from Pastor Jose. All right, everybody good? Are you? Are you happy? Do you know it? Say amen. That's good. Get out of here.